0: How are you? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. My name is sarika and I'm sitting down in the Shafas.
1: And my name is Aaron. I'm also sitting on the bouncy ball in the Shafas. So if my voice yeah. Yeah, changes or if you hear a weird squeak, it's not actually me farting. It's just me moving weirdly on the bouncy ball. And also
0: oh yeah oh, we're, we're yeah. Candle
1: Tales that's all yeah, yeah 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 sorry I forgot that part we're Candle Tales and this is the Candle Tales podcast and we're going to tell you a story sorry I'm not going to tell you a story she is because she's going to tell you a story about Trafungal Trilker
0: yes Something and if like you that. like this podcast and if you like to support us you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Candle Tales but if you don't that's okay too
1: Just grant listen away hey Saraga tell us a story all right not in an English accent
0: I'll think about it (laughs) the settling of the manor of Tara Dermot son of Kerbal was the high king at Tara and one day he was looking out from that great hill looking out and it was a clear day and so he could see all of the other provinces of Ireland from that one hill at the centre of it all. But on this day, he started to look a little closer to home, and he noticed something. He noticed, and not for the first time, that the land around Tara was good and fertile, green and glowing with health and vitality, but it was not planted it was not seeded, it was not grazed by any livestock. It was fallow and it was wild. Now he had noticed this before, but now it began to vex him. Because the time of the great feast was approaching, and he was noticing its pressure on his purse. And so Dermot, son of Kerbal, went to his advisors and asked them what they would think of putting that good green land to use. And they said, well, now, this is a matter of tradition. And he asked them, could any of them remember why it was a matter of tradition? But none of them could. Still, changing something so fundamental seemed to them a foolish thing to do. Because if they couldn't remember a good reason for it, they couldn't remember a bad reason either. So the king decided he would wait until the feast and ask then and see what was said about it now this feast happened once every seven years at tara it was the duty of the high king to gather everyone to invite everyone on the island from every tribe and every kingdom and every hill and every valley and they could gather there at the center the one table All of them arranged according to their rank, according to their station, and not according to the place of their birth. And all of them could sit down together, as people of the one island. And the king's duty was to host them, to make sure they had enough food and enough drink, and to make sure and remind them of where they were, at the sacred centre, at Tara. And this was not a place for old feuds and old arguments. This was a place of coming together, of union and of merriment and of meeting. The king put his question to the people assembled at Tara. He asked them what they would think about putting the manner of Tara to good youth. And he asked them if any of them knew why it was not done that way. And none of them knew. But they were hesitant as well, and so they said, well, let us send for the greatest sage. And the greatest sage that any of them could think of was a man named Fiacre, the son of the embroiderer. And Fiacre had been St. Patrick's successor in Ireland, an old man and a wise man. But when Fieker came he said that he did not know the reason for the manner of Tara being left fallow and so he asked them to send for a wiser and an older head than his. They asked him who that was and he named Ken Now he'd taken a wound that knocked the brain of forgetfulness out of his head and so he had to remember everything that he ever heard or saw. And so Ken was sent for. But he himself did not know why it was the manor of Tara was left green and fallow when it could be put to use. Now he named a sage and that sage named a sage and the people of Ireland had decided they weren't going to eat the feast until this question was decided and the feast was getting cold but eventually a name was mentioned. And when that name was mentioned, it went around and it silenced every one of the sages and the elders that were gathered there. And that name was Finton, Finton Macbogre. Now, none but the sages knew who that was. That name had been lost to time. But the sages all agreed that this was the oldest man in Ireland and if anyone knew the reason for the manner of Tara being left fallow it was he and so he was sent for and sometime later with the feast now stone cold a retinue arrived from a place named Tulka in Kerry and in that retinue was an old, old man but though he was old he was hale and he was hearty and there was a twinkle in his eye and they could see just from looking at him that he still had his wits about him and the king, Dermot son of Kerbal summoned Fintan to him and said can you tell us why it is that the manner of Tara is not put to use and not put to profit. And Fintan said, I can. I know well why this is. And well it is that I remember. And someone there challenged him, asked him how it was that he remembered this. How could they be sure that his memory was that good? And Fintan told them, I came with the first person to come to Ireland, my wife, Kessar of the White Hand. I sailed with her for seven years, from the Isle of Merrow and all around the world known and unknown. And when Kessar and her people faded away from memory, I was there when Partholon came the giant from out of Greece, the giant with the curse on his head and I helped him and his parthalonians to settle in Ireland and I was there when they thrived and I was there when his curse got up to him and all of the Partholonians died. I was there when Nemed arrived with his great fleets. I saw his tyranny over the Fomorian people and I saw his war that ended in his destruction the scattering of his people to the four winds I was there when his descendants the Firbol made their way back to Ireland and because they landed on different corners of it in their fleet that was only coracles made of hide stretched over wooden frames I was there when all those stragglers met here in the centre of the island And I was there when they divided Ireland into its five provinces. And I was there when the Tuatha de Danann, their distant cousins, arrived thirty-seven years later in a night of mist, and I aided them in the first battle of Moitura, in their futile defence of the land they'd claimed. And I was there when the sons of Mill came to depose the Tuatha de Danann in their turn your ancestors, you people, gathered here. They asked him then what he knew about the manner of Tara, the matter that had all of them waiting on this cold feast, the matter that had caused them to ask him to come from his home in Tulka. And Finton told them a story. Long, long, long ago, Fintan had been with the Sons of Mill, the Celtic people who'd come from Spain to Ireland. There had been a Cayley much like this one, a gathering at Tara, and all of the people there had seen an incredible sight. They saw a giant come striding over the land. Around his shoulders he wore a cloak of crystal. In his hand he carried a branch that bore nuts and berries and fruit all at the same time. On his feet sandals of wonderful iridescent material. And he was so tall you could see sky between his legs with the great strides that he took. And the people gathered at Tara called out to him, asked him who he was and where he was going and he stopped and he sat to speak with them a while. He told them his name was Trefunglid Treokhar and he was going from the setting of the sun to the sun's rising. And he asked them how they were and who they were and what they were doing there. And they answered him, with their lineages and their name. But Trefunglid was interested now. He asked them to explain to him the way their country was divided, the way it was organized, how they ran things. He asked them if he could meet all of the people of the island. And they said, well, hang on now, you're a giant, and if you stay a while, we're not sure we'll be able to feed you. But Trefunglid, Triokar said, oh no, don't worry about that. I have a magic branch. And he picked a nut off the branch and ate it. And the nut grew again. He said, I can sustain myself from my branch. I'll just sit here nice and easy. And you bring everyone to me. So all of the people of Ireland assembled to meet the giant Trefunglid Treoccher. And Trafunglad asked them now for their history, for their chronicles, for their accounting of themselves as a people. And there they ran into a problem. Because they did not have poets and bards as such. They had no shanakis really. Their history, their chronicle, was fragmented. Some of it in the minds of some and others in the minds of others, and half of them contradicted each other. And so Trefunglid decided to make a project of this. He took the seven wisest people out of each of the five provinces. And he gathered them together, and he gathered together all the information, and they all between them put it in order and put it to memory. And he told them now that they were shanakis, that they were the ones who had to remember the things that were important to their people, that their duty was to remember and to remind. And then they came to how the country was divided into its five provinces. And Fintan himself could answer for why that was. For he'd been there when the Firbolg had first divided Ireland in this way into Cúiga, Cúiga, into five fifths. And he told Triunglet that they had decided that knowledge should be in the west, battle in the north. Prosperity in the east, music in the south, and kingship in the center. Trafungla Trioker said this was good. This was a right dividing of a country. Because it gave a space to everything in human nature, and it gave a space at the center. And that space should always be held, held open and ready and empty held as a space for all of the people to come together, to gather together, to be one people, to put aside their differences, to put aside their tribal loyalty, to put aside their hatreds and their squabbles, and to have this space to come to, this wild heart at the centre of the land, this freedom, where they were only people of the one island. And this was what Vincent Macbocra said to Dermot, son of Kerbal. That it is the sacred duty of the leaders of Ireland to hold a space where all are welcome to hold it wild, to hold it empty, not to turn their minds to profit and the narrow interests of the few, but to hold this open for all of the people on this island. And it was the sacred duty of the bards and the poets of Ireland to remind these rulers if they should ever forget. And then Fintan led all of those people, all the wise ones and all the curious ones and all the foolish ones and all the interested ones, he brought them to Ishnok. And he set up a standing stone there, partitioned in five. And he carved on it the names of the provinces and their attribution. And they took their leave there from the hill of Ishnok, because Ishnok and the Tara the two kidneys of the land set together in the centre and Dermot son of Kerbal high king of all Ireland went back to Tara for he had his answer and a great deal to think about
1: Can give it to the man. I love that story it tells him, like, "Fuck you guys. Here, listen. You're not supposed to be, you know, lining your own pockets. You're supposed to be doing it for the for the other people." Quan Finton, you fucking legend. Love that guy. Sorry, that was my that's my post-show analysis of the of the story. Yeah, it gets me all riled up, doesn't it? It's,
0: it's a like, bit. It's a small bit, Riley. It's, it's a, very. Riley. To be fair, isn't it I tell it. It, it didn't uh, it didn't used to be that way but uh, It's fucking deadly though. I'm
1: like I'm all riled up now.
0: Good. Because you know what? It's fucking election
1: season. Uh, Look. I'm not riled up about that though.
0: I mean we're not going to talk politics. We we're not
1: allowed. Why we don't allow ourselves? No. <laughs> I don't like to talk politics. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference.
0: One of the main things that we want to be when we're telling Candlelit tale stories is you know somewhat inclusive.
1: Neutral, no, not, not neutral. neutral. I Fuck know that. I, 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 <laughs> lie.
0: No, we want to be inclusive and we want to make sure that as many people as possible like hear these
1: stories, sure.
0: And there is no faster way than to fucking alienate people than to start banging on about politics,
1: sure. Because
0: everybody has an opinion on that. Never
1: bring it up at a party,
0: exactly. It's and so, we're not actually going to talk about politics directly, yeah. we're not going to talk about the
1: parties. Here or anywhere else? Because isn't it the worst when you find out like a friend of yours just like disagrees? Bi- <laughs> we're not going been, to talk about that either. Yeah, I'm just about a certain thing. I was just going to be very elusive.
0: Oh, good. Okay. Uh, you know. Yeah, you know. You were sca- You were fucking sitting close, Skr- <laughs> close to I the window, skirting close to the window. I do
1: like the skirt. I like skirts yeah. too. Uh, sorry. Um, right. Okay.
0: So we're not going to talk about things in, those, in that sense, but like I do like this story because it's also. A little bit it's a little bit less plot heavy than some of them and it's a little bit more like window on the past
1: alright so we know what we're talk about fine so what are we going to talk about
0: well we can talk about a few things right so we can talk about um I think the main things in that story are like the idea of the high kingship true and then there's the idea of the five provinces yeah and there's also the idea of distributed power which I think is an interesting one and uh, there's also this whole thing that Fintan says at the end which is that like it is the duty of bards and poets to remind the powerful of their place which I really kind of took to heart on that story which is why I made it a bit rabbly when I tell it because I'm like yeah like job of a high king is to make sure everybody's got a seat at the table
1: and that's the really powerful kind of speech he gives. It's not to line their own pockets. And like that can be very, you can kind of go down a grey area with that because, of course, you know, it's a job and everyone needs to get paid, blah, blah, blah. But then when you see people abusing that power, it's, no, that's not what that's in place for. And the idea of the High King being. Able to be clear with that and represent, and also in Ireland, the hiking representing the land is a very clear.
0: Well, he's—you've well. got the whole like ritualistic marriage to the land piece, but you've also got like—I mean, there's this. I think this idea of the fifth province and the hiking is really yeah an interesting one because like it's it's debated whether it there it ever existed
1: the fifth province
0: and the hiking, yeah.
1: Oh yeah So Brian Brew is the last
0: Well I mean historic. Brian Brew Brian drew on the mythology yeah. To make a case for himself To become the High King of Ireland Okay And actually he was He was most He was supported within Ireland But he was also supported within Europe We were We would have had a monarchy hmm. Had Brian got his way And we probably would have had A more traditional European monarchy right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um But like That was You know whether whether Nile of the nine hostages ever lived yeah. we don't actually know
1: yeah and that's the funny thing with that the stat cycle of mythology the king cycle is like they're semi-historic characters that were glorified usually in myth and legend and again when you think about the time that they're supposed to be living in Hugely tribal, hugely tumultuous, 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 I can't say that word. You can't say that word.
0: Um, uh, yeah, like, I, and I think that's why the idea of the High King in the Fifth Province is so interesting. Because it's a representative, it's representative, both of them are representative of, like, the island as a whole. Which was never a kingdom in the traditional sense. It was never, you know, it was, there was this idea that the island itself was important. And the integrity of it was important. But you also had these provinces. And then you had these tua, of which there were a hundred, which were the like little tribes. So I think the idea of the fifth province, it's interesting that it existed and it's interesting that it kind of continued through storytelling, even if it never actually existed uh, as a real thing. Because you have this idea, this concept of the island as a whole, which is then subdivided into the four provinces, into the five provinces, sorry. Of, of which we have four today. But the word, yeah, the reason why people think it, it was a thing actually is probably worth, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> worth yeah, explaining. Yeah, yeah. See, we have four provinces in Ireland. There's Ulster, there's Munster, there's Connacht and there's Leinster. But the word for province in Ireland, in Irish, in the Irish language, is Cúigá, which means one-fifth. And you would think that, given there are four of them, <laughs> it should be one quarter. Yeah, he was like, hang on a second there. He
1: dropped one, and you look but at all not. you look at all maps, and you see Leinster being a lot smaller, Ulster being a bit bigger.
0: Oh yeah, there's, there's, the the borders have moved around a lot. Yeah, yeah. But the idea of the fifth province is that there's a county Meath, and there's an adjacent county of West Meath, and that they it's were
1: the middle.
0: yeah Meath means the middle, and the idea was, or one of the ideas, is that Meath was the fifth province. Yeah. Meath and Westmead together met, like, made up.
1: And I've done this before with maps. I've drawn lines from, like, the far east of Donegal and the far east of uh, Cork and, Cle- and Kerry and, and Galway and Mayo. And, like, if you're really looking for a middle spot, like, yeah, it is in Westmeath. Like yeah. or, 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 or just a bit open me because like from Donegal people to travel it's a fucking long way like
0: so yeah there is fucking ages away so there's there's a there's two counties that are called The Middle
1: Yeah,
0: and they're meant to have been the fifth province and there's a hill called Tara and on a clear day it's said that you can see all of the provinces from you can from see
1: it. a lot of them I've been up there a few times and um, it, it, it's a fair reach like.
0: so like there is this idea of because Ireland is very fragmented still Still always has been, always will be like there is huge tribalism in Ireland to this day. And there was back in the day as well, because you had like you had the, the five provinces or the four provinces, whichever was actually true. And you also had something like a hundred tua, which were kingdoms. And like there was the saying that the there
1: was a king on every hill.
0: Exactly. There was a king on every hill. But there was also it was an extremely hierarchical society. Yeah, there were seven degrees of king, and there were seven degrees of lord, and it, no. and there were seven degrees of there were seven degrees of fucking loads of things, but like the the, hi, the like bards,
1: sorry, that's like bards and poets.
0: The highest lord would outrank the lowest king.
1: Jesus. So
0: it was really complicated hierarchy. Yeah, I've stuff. looked up the fucking stuff. No, before. don't even try. Yeah, It's the kind <laughs> so... of stuff that like it's so complex that like you would have to grow up in that culture to understand it.
1: Right, and even then probably... Well, even <laughs> then
0: you might fuck up and that's how you get your family in trouble dead. and have to pay a fine. Ah, okay. Because uh, remember, and Law. But, like, it was a really complex hierarchy. It, it actually kind of... It makes me kind of think of the way Japan is today with, like, you know, the different degrees of bow that you give to different people. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you don't learn that shit when you're a kid, you're never you going to learn it. offend people Yeah, the you're the just going to accidentally offend people, like. It's really, really complex and it's really subtle. So there was all this subtlety of like intermeshing hierarchies that depended on rank. And like the highest rank of bard was equivalent to the highest rank of king. Mm -hmm. So you had the olive, which was still a title that we have in Ireland for like the poet laureate, who's like on a par with the highest political figure in the land. Um, So, yeah, really, really complicated hierarchy, but also... There's an idea of there being some sort of distrib- like a distribution of power on a local level, mm-hmm. that's then held at a higher level, on a national, like at a, at a national level, mm. that I think is a really interesting contradiction that we don't really have today. We certainly are
1: not I was just like, I was mm, I'm kind of going, Jesus, don't have that.
0: Yeah, we don't. Like we don't, and and yet, most people who who go into politics in this country. Come at it, or a huge, a huge number of of them, come at it from the point of view of what can I get from my constituency, rather tribalism than. Tribalism again. Yeah. yeah, it's tribalism. Rather than what can we do to benefit the island as a whole? As a whole. Because you know, if <laughs> unless everybody's winning, fucking nobody's winning.
1: But that's again how you get the seats, how you get your locals, how you get make you ensure it. Blah, blah blah. You get the backing. You get you produce the. You know you.
0: Yeah, that's the, blah, 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 that's the game. That's the game. Um, Which is why, you know, which is one of the one of the essential flaws of democracy. The other being that it really doesn't facilitate anything long term. Um, But anyway, we said it wasn't going to be political. No. Um, no. (laughs) That's that's as close as I'm going to get.
1: I did sign a petition to not have those bloody posters up there. God damn.
0: Oh, they're so wasteful. so wasteful. Anyway. So I think that's an interesting thing that this story kind of illustrates is like the meaning and the place of the five provinces.
1: Well, it also, just to bring you back to the point of, even today, how important it is for bards, for poets, for storytellers, for singers, songwriters, for those in the arts, I suppose, to, to you know, represent what the bard used to be, what that job is for them today in, in the society, which is essentially to to shine a light on the the goings on that doesn't doesn't get covered that doesn't make the, the headlines but tells the true stories
0: totally and i think if you if you widen out your definition of bard mm-hmm. like i think i think someone from ancient ireland would see a newspaper reporter as a bard yeah because they are telling stories sure and they are telling sometimes the stories that the powerful don't want to be told and like it's the job of anybody who is a storyteller whether they're a comedian or a journalist or a filmmaker, a filmmaker or a playwright or photographer or whatever. Any, whatever your art form instrument. is, part of the kind of, part of the task is to show the truth. Mm-hmm. And part of that is showing truth to the powerful.
1: Yeah, because it's all well and good having the, having your friends seeing the painting you've made that depicts something truthful, beautiful, harrowing or whatever Um, but it's actually getting those messages heard by the right people to make change for the rest of them I guess.
0: And sometimes the right people are just enough of the ordinary people.
1: There is a great quote
0: by Margaret Mead that uh, Imelda often quotes Imelda McCarthy who runs the Fifth Province Sangha, which is never doubt that a small group of thoughtful committed citizens can change the world Indeed, it is the only thing that ever
1: has,
0: (laughs) which I think is nice. And I also think it's really, really, really worth remembering, especially when you're caught in a kind of a democratic cycle, which is all really about encouraging you to give your power to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you can give people power and they have power over others. Or you can focus on collective power that you have with other people. And you can also focus on the power that you have within and your own personal power. And I think there's a time and a place for Um, any one of those exchanges. But I think it's really important to remember that, you know, not political power is not the only kind of power in this world. Absolutely. And we all have access to some of it because we all, at an absolute minimum, have access to a power within. I
1: like that. I like that a lot. In fact, explore your power within. Go deep within and find it. And I'm going to stop talking now because that's the end of the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I say we'll leave it there. That's, that, that, pretty
1: that felt like a good note to end it on. on. I'm going to shut all over. But anyway, um, thank you for listening, guys. If you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash Candle Tales and throw some change. It makes a massive difference. Thank you for those who've already uh, supported us on Patreon because you've made this possible. And uh, Thank you, Doshin, for uh, playing the music in on this one. And Sarah was telling a story.
0: And thank you for listening. Whether you can contribute to Patreon or not, we really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it's great. Share it, listen to it, tell that story to someone. Do it and find the power, within or without. Good night. You.